Hello everyone and welcome to the Prayer in the Making Lent Book Club episode 24. Uh, this is the second half of chapter 11 which is on warfare and this half of the chapter is called Victory Strategies. Um, I wanted to talk to you a bit about Gideon. Gideon does not feature in this book actually at all, largely because he featured in my last book available from all good booksellers called Faith in the Making. Um, but I want to talk to you about him, not because of what, anything I said in the last book, actually, but because, because he is a very interesting example of what it means to stand. So this, this is what this half of the chapter is about. It's about holding your ground. It's about standing and seeing victory. And, you know, this is something that has preoccupied me for a lot of my life as a praying person, really, is what does it mean to stand until we see things change, until we see breakthrough. I think um, I've always been something of a... I, I like prayer to go somewhere, do you know what I mean? I, I've, I've become much more connected in latter years with the contemplative side of prayer, with, with just the sense of prayer as being, and that is very important to me. But I think I'm also quite a productive person. I'm a person who... Uh, likes the feeling that something is happening, that things are moving forward. And so for me, prayer has always been, I'm, I'm very happy to pray for something for a long time, but I do want to feel that we're moving forward. Uh, and so standing and victory and these sorts of things have, have been, I think, long lessons in my life. And if you've read the, this chunk of the book, you'll know that there's some personal stuff in here about my some some experiences I've had in learning how to stand and hold my ground. Um, you, one of the reasons I love Gideon is because that final moment of victory, just a little recap of the story, uh, if you've had a total mind blank and don't know who Gideon is. Uh, Gideon, obviously, yeah, the people of Israel were under occupation. An angel of the Lord came to Gideon and said, you're a mighty warrior, which was a bit of a surprise to Gideon. Uh, and uh, a bunch of stuff then happened to do with Gideon uh helping the Israelites to win back their land from the occupying army and it involved things like uh, Gideon having a huge army and then God kind of whittling his army down to like 300 people which is nowhere near enough people to defeat a vast occupying force but anyway it was all fine and God did it with 300 people um, and that was important Gideon had to be in the right place and he had to have the right people around him but the thing that fascinates me about Gideon is that they won a battle with no weapons. They didn't have, it would seem, swords and shields and the conventional, you know, bows and arrows and all the kind of things you'd have expected uh, a an ancient army like that to have. They had, each person had a jar and a torch and a trumpet, which, let's face it, is probably not your average battle strategy. But I like it because it's in the long tradition in the Bible of God saying to people, I fight my battles. I do the stuff I do in this world by you doing the stuff you do. Does that make sense? So God doesn't say you need to become somebody different. You need to become good at something different. You need to change who you are or what you do or who I've made you in order for battles to be won. He says, you be yourself and I'll do 
miraculous things through the things that you offer. So um, to name but a few, David took out Goliath, not with all the armour and the sword that Saul offered him, but with five stones and his favourite sling. Uh, Moses led the people, another shepherd, led uh, the people of Israel uh, with all kinds of remarkable things happening through his shepherd's staff. Uh, uh, Elisha, mentioned Elisha a couple of times during these podcasts. Elisha was forever using completely everyday things like salt and bits of wood and stuff to 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 see remarkable things come to pass. So God has this way of saying to people, don't go with what you think you need, go with what you have in your hand and I'll use that. So what do you have in your hand? Well, to me, the jar, the torch and the trumpet signify three different things. Of course they do, you're saying, Lyndall, this is you. Of course they are three things and they signify three things. You have, I hope, by the middle of episode 24 worked out that the only way my brain can remember any of these things is if I make nice little pictures in my head and then I can attach things to them. So this is what I attach to Gideon's equipment, okay? Uh, firstly, the jar. The jar, well, I don't need to do too much attaching here. The jar is is a recurring image in scripture for our humanness. Uh, jars, pottery jars, were quite disposable. They, they, uh, they were used in very ordinary everyday occupations. Uh, they broke easily. You just made another one when your first one broke. They, they were the ultimate, if you like, they're the kind of polystyrene cups of their day, though slightly less injurious to the environment. Um, and so for me, the, the clay jar, the jar is always our humanness, our fragility. You know, this week of all weeks, if you're listening and it's nearly Christmas, uh, I'm actually recording this in Holy Week, so coming up to Easter. This week of all weeks, we learn that God's power earths itself through humanness. Jesus didn't come to earth and then promptly live some superhero existence. He came and at the point where the greatest wonders of God's power were worked through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. Those were done in complete human weakness and uh, with God's power, but it wasn't, it was God's power working through his weakness. So for me, this week is always a reminder that God doesn't need me to um, psych up some incredible, incredibly different uh, victorious persona in order for a victory to come. I, I'm a great lover of the um, armour of God in Ephesians 6 but I do have a slight issue with it and that's that the teaching of it over the years has led to this notion that actually if you put the armour on you're somehow impervious you know if you make sure that in the morning you pray the armour which by the way is a very good idea uh, that somehow you put on your armour in the morning or whatever and actually it means you'll be okay and nothing nothing you won't be affected by difficult stuff that happens well um <laughs> You know that's not true, don't you? Um, the armour is what helps you to stand in the midst of the realities. It's not what protects you from the realities of life. So stuff happens, awful stuff happens. And if you have truth, uh, justice, righteousness, faith, salvation, peace, the word of God, the sword of the spirit, if you have those things, 
you are able to stand differently. You are able to stand more trustingly. You are able to stand more confidently. But you are not shielded from the bad stuff that happens. And for me, the breaking of those jars in the Gideon story, that the point where they uh, their victory kicks in is when they break the jars. And the breaking of the jars is deeply important, I believe, in spiritual warfare, not thinking that we have to become some impervious superhero but knowing that even as we break in life even as we feel like we've just been dashed to the ground that is the point at which God's power earths through us and out into the situations that we're praying for so much more I could say on that but I don't have time so I won't at the moment um the torch secondly for me the torch is it's it's um it's what you're alight with in the sense that it's what you're what you're good at. For me, the torch is it's the stuff that burns brightly in me in the sense that it's the stuff I do well. It's the stuff I'm gifted at, the talents that I have. Again, spiritual warfare is entirely randomly connected with what we're good at. Um, it is connected with praying lots of things. It is connected with standing and so on. And so on but it's also connected with just doing the stuff we're good at. Um, you You start to see breakthrough in things when you do what you know you can do so you do all the praying and you do all the standing and but actually it's when you start doing the things that you're good at that things often start to shift so if you've uh, had a chance to read this chunk of the book you'll know that uh, I tell a story about planning a prayer week in Canterbury in the city centre and in in, a, in an empty shop and uh, we the one of the things I don't tell you about that story is that uh, in the end, having come through an awful lot of tricky things, including standing on my left side for two weeks, you'll have to read the book to find out about that. Um, our, we we were told uh, by Canterbury Cathedral, who owned the building, that we could use the building for our prayer week, but we wouldn't know uh, that we were going to get the building until about 10 days or a week before the prayer week was to start. Now, in most people's calculations, that's a nightmare scenario to pull off an entire 24-7 prayer week, which involved kitting out a two-storey shop, a relatively large two-storey shop, let me tell you, um, with no guarantee that that was even going to happen until possibly a week before. That would be most people's worst nightmare. Me, not a problem at all. You see, I am the rather um, helpful combination of not at all forward planning really i'm very last minute in lots of things but i'm also tenaciously determined and i don't have a problem holding out for something uh, until it comes through and so those two qualities in me came to the fore everyone around me is going how are we going to do it how are we going to do it lindell and i'm like we're going to do it i've got no problem with we're going to do it and then they're saying yeah but what are we going to do what and i'm like well at the moment we can't do anything uh, we just have to wait. At the moment, we have to accept that this is going to be a very last minute thing, but it's going to be OK because I love last minute and I'm also determined. And for me, bringing that positioning, do you see what I mean? Bringing those qualities into that battle, I think helped everybody else because it fostered a sense of confidence and optimism, even though we didn't know a single thing, really. Um, who you are, what you're good at is helpful in the battle you're in and I would encourage you just to have a think about it when you when you finish this podcast what have you got that you can do what have you got that you can do not what do you wish you could do not 
what do you think would be a better set of skills to have for this particular battle? What can you do? It might seem utterly irrelevant to the whole situation. I'm pretty sure 300 people in the middle of the night with a bunch of torches didn't feel that their torches were going to be that significant. But in the end, it was the it was the torchlight in part which terrified uh, the the troops, and so they uh, they ended up effectively defeating themselves. So your torch is what you're good at. Lastly, your trumpet. Your trumpet is the cause that you're standing for. What are you blowing your trumpet for at the moment? Let me tell you, I mean, you know this, don't you? But spiritual warfare is always unto something. And it's not unto, I just want to win. You can't, you can't be, you know, the kind of the the petulant five-year-old who's like, I don't care what happens, I want to be the winner. That We fight for things. We stand for things. We pray for things. What are you holding ground for at the moment? Gideon, it was the freedom of his nation. Um, what are you holding ground for at the moment? That's the trumpet that you blow. It's the cause that you trumpet, if you like. Um, and we need all three of these in order to stand ground. If you don't have a cause... If you just have your humanness and your skills and your gifts, you may well stand very well, but you won't be sure what you're standing for. I, and, and it will become more of a routine thing rather than a breakthrough thing. I always think about those, um, you know, beef eaters who can like stand for hours and hours and hours when they're uh, on guard. And I always think about, I mean, how do they do it? A, because I'm terrible at standing for a long time. And B... Can they stand for a long time because they've got a sense of what they're there for? Do they just get bored and are they just standing because their legs have kind of locked? Don't stand just because your legs have locked. What are you standing for at the moment? And I, I would encourage you, if you're not standing for anything, if, you just, if, you're, if you're holding ground somehow but you're not sure what for, then have a conversation with God about that because there is something that he, there's a cause that he wants you to trumpet. There's something that he wants you to stand for. And you will find standing and praying far easier if you know what you're standing for. If you don't stand with your torch, with your giftings, if all you have is your humanness and your cause, then it's exhausting and it's difficult and it's hard work. And all you're aware of is what you long to see happen and how frail you are. And there's not that middle section of feeling that you've got something to contribute. So if that's you, if you feel like the cause, the standing has become exhausting because you're so aware of your frailty, but you can't let the cause down, then you need to go back for your torch what do I bring to this God? I bring something. What can I do? What can I contribute that will help move this thing forward? Um, if you don't have your jar, then what you have is your gifts and your cause. And your gifts and your cause uh, can be a dangerous combination without your humanness. I think we can all think of situations where people have have um, have been incredibly skilled and talented they've brought real ability and they've had a real passion something that they've wanted to achieve but they've overlooked their humanness and very often made serious mistakes because without your jar you do veer into being a super trying to be superhuman you do veer into thinking you're invincible so um if you are if you feel that you're in that place at the moment of I'm really going for something and I'm I'm good at it and I'm on a I'm on quite a high at the moment. 
don't forget your jar. Just go back for your jar because who you are, the frailty, the fragility, that was crucial for Jesus and it is crucial for you and me. When we have the three, the jar, the torch, the trumpet, the humanness combined with the gifting, combined with the cause, then we stand and that's when we really start to see breakthrough.